Well, tonight we're going to continue in chapter 3 of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Philippians chapter 3. Um, and we're going to kind of pick up from the subject that we talked about last week um, on where our joy comes from. We've been talking about being joyful uh, in life, that of all people, we should be people that live joyfully. And it should reflect from us. No matter what we're going through, the world, we need to be the source of joy for them. If we as Christians are the people complaining and critical and always down, then there is no hope for the rest of the world. Um, so we need to be the people that even when things are hard and we are suffering, um, that we are like Paul, that we can uh, uh, be the ones singing in the prison cell, worshiping uh, uh when we are being beaten and losing all of the things that, that we count dear. And yet, like Paul said last week, I count all those things as loss because my joy is not based in worldly pleasure. And so we've got to come to that place that we truly value God, his presence, what he has promised us and where he is leading us as more, uh, uh, valuable and pleasurable than the things of this world. And when we do that, guys, this is what we have to understand. Then God gives us those other things. It is not that God doesn't want us to enjoy things. In fact, this is what he says. Seek first the kingdom and all those other things I will give you. But you have to trust me. It, it is in my way. And when you don't have them, there's a purpose for it. Trust me. Um, and when we begin to trust God, the joy of the Lord comes. And so we talked about last week, that Paul said this, that, that all the joy that he has comes from this fact, from knowing Jesus. He says, I count everything lost compared to knowing him. And everything I do is so that I can know him. When we know Jesus, when we walk in fellowship with Jesus, there is joy. The source of joy is when you truly know Jesus. Now, here's the problem. Many people call themselves Christians but they don't really know Jesus because they're trying to go through the motions. And when we just go through the motions, when we just try and follow the rules, that is not knowing Jesus. Um, uh, knowing Jesus is beginning to enter into a relationship with God. And we said that Jesus gives us that ability to know God um, that we cannot achieve on our own. Okay. Um, so that is where the joy comes from, knowing Jesus, the one who died for us, the one who desired uh, to bring us back into relationship with him. Okay, so with that being said, we're going to pick up in verse 12 of chapter 3, Philippians 3, verse 12, and we'll read to the end of the verse, I mean, into the end of the chapter. He says, not that I have already obtained this. Or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that, that I have already made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I've already told you, uh, and I now tell you again, uh, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So Paul says, I've, I've told you that this the greatest joy that you can experience is by knowing Jesus. Uh, but here's the thing. Paul says this, but I don't know him the way I want to know him. Even now, Paul says, I've not obtained that. That's the goal. I want to know Jesus. But he says, let me tell you, I feel like I don't even know him yet. And Paul, Paul had Jesus appear to him personally. We know the story of, as he was trying to kill the Christians. Uh, he was going to the next town, Damascus, to, to, to round up the church and to, to bring them to, in to be killed. And on the road, uh, Jesus himself showed up uh, in the bright light that blinded Paul. And he talked to Paul and he said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And of course, Paul said, who are you? I don't even know you. And he said, I am Jesus. And as he revealed himself to Paul and called him and said, Paul, I, I want to heal you. I, I'm going to give you a new purpose. I'm going to give you a new life. I am who they say I am. And so he had this personal interaction with Jesus himself. And yet Paul says, I still don't know him the way I want to, the way there is more to be known. And this is the great thing about Jesus. Guys, no matter how much we know Jesus, there is more to know because he is the God of the universe. How many know? Do you think we're going to know all of the beauty that there is in the world just in one second? Even in a few moments, even in a few years, there is so much more that God wants to reveal to us. And so this is the thing that Paul says. You need to realize that joy comes as soon as you know him. So as soon as you know Jesus, there is joy. But what he's saying is there is more joy than you even know. You think you have joy? Don't get satisfied with the little bit of joy that you have. How many know that all we want... And, and we think this, God, just give me a simple life. I just want to be able to love my family. I just want to enjoy good times, and I'm happy with that. And most of us would be happy with that. That's just joy. I just want to be uh, happy and, and enjoy the good things. And, and, you know, even if I don't get all the great riches, that's okay. But God is saying, don't settle for that. There's more to be known in Jesus. 
He wants you to know more joy than just the simple fact that I'm saved. There is more than just knowing that when I die, uh, I'm escaping hell. That is not the purpose. God wants us to begin to know him more. Um, so this is what he says. There's, there's three things that we need to do if we're going to know him more. The first thing that he says is you've got to forget what lies behind. He says, here's the first thing I do. I forget, I, I lay aside those things that, that are behind me. If we're going to know him more, we've got to stop focusing on the things behind us. You see, if we're going to get to know him, you've got to want to know him. Here's the thing. You've got to fight for the joy. Sometimes joy does not come in this life. There, there are forces that don't want you to know Jesus. Uh, there are things in your own life that don't want to know Jesus, in your own heart, because we are sinful and we are broken, and our natural tendency is to be selfish. We just want mine, mine. You know, like the, the, the movie Nemo? That's us. Mine, mine, mine. Right? We're fighting for the fish. We're just like those seagulls. Mindless me, just me. And yet God is trying to say, you've got to let go of focusing on me so that I can fill you uh, with more than what you could ever get yourself. So we've got to stop focusing on what lies behind. Now, what is he talking about when he says, I forget what lies behind? Well, now, the first thing is our past. We always think of that. He's saying, don't dwell on the past. Well, that's true. If we're going to know Jesus, we've got to stop dwelling on the past. You cannot have joy in your life when you're always dwelling on what I didn't get. Right? You know, this was just is not fair. You know, my brother gets more. My sister gets more. And, and, and we always are looking at what has happened. When we're always comparing everything to what's happened, we're never going to be happy. There's always going to be something that steals our joy, that robs our joy. So the things in our past, many, many people, you know what? There's probably all of us have heard, had hurtful things that have happened in the past. And, and Paul is saying, yes, you need to let go of the things that have happened in the past. There's been things that were not fair. There were things that did hurt. There were things that were traumatic there were things that should never have happened to you, and it broke the heart of God that that happened to you. But God is saying, I can take that and make you stronger, but you've got to let go of it. You've got to stop looking back. You've got to stop regretting it. You've got to stop holding that against people. Bitterness, hatred, criticism. You've got to let that go, or you'll never know Jesus. Because you're looking at Jesus, but out of the corner of your eye, you're always looking someplace else. So Jesus says, if you're going to press on, if you're going to gain the joy of life, if you're going to just be a person that really feels the fullness of life, you've got to stop looking around you. You've got to stop looking at what has happened in the past. But the things that are behind us also is not just what has happened in the past, but it is who you were. When, when Paul says, I, I forget what lies behind, he's also talking about, I have to stop looking at who I am. Because 
You see, he says that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. So in other words, we have to stop grasping for the things that we used to love. The things that we always, man, if I could just have this, I would be happy. you got to let go of those things because that's who you were. It's not who you are now. You've got to be willing to say, I'm a different person. You've got to be able to let go of even your own desires and dreams and things that, that you love. Now, you have to, to be able to let that go. You've got to trust. Because how many know that's my identity? That's who I am. To let that go is, is hard because that's all I've ever known. And yet God says if you'll trust me and if you will just begin to, to, to know that I have something better for you. The things that you always wanted, I know what, what, what will satisfy you. God says you've got to let go of the past. You've got to let go of those pleasures, those desires that, that used to drive you. The motivations that, that used to drive you, you've got to be able to let it go. I know this was the hardest thing when I was in high school. Um, it's hard to let go of, 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 and it doesn't mean you can't have friends, but it's hard to not let those friends be your motivation. So that, that when I don't get to do a certain activity, if I don't get, I'm not crushed because that's not my source of joy. That God is my joy. I, I, I let those things go. And then when I do have the opportunity to be with those friends, then I can enjoy it even more so because God has given it to me. But God is still my focus. So we've got to forget what lies behind. The other thing that lies behind is the things that everyone else likes, the things that everyone else is grasping for. Um, and this is uh, uh, why he says that you need to beware. Remember last week we talked about these people. He said, don't, don't get caught up in what everyone else is doing. Because here's what everyone else, remember last week we talked about there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we're not just talking about non-Christians. We're not just talking about even good people, even religious people. Don't get caught up in what they say you need. These things you need to put behind you. It says, and we already read this last week, it says that these people walk as enemies of the cross. And their end is destruction. Now, what is it that brings destruction in their life? It said because their mind is set on earthly things. It is not that earthly things are bad, but they cannot be what holds our attention. Okay, understand this. It's not the things in your life. It's what attention you give to them. It says when we set our mind on earthly things, the end of our life will be destruction. There is no joy in destruction. When we walk according to what everyone else in the world does, and it's so hard because we are constantly being told what makes you happy. Every time you turn on the TV, it's telling you what makes you happy. If you just had this, you would be happy. If you just do this with us, you know, we're going to have a great time. 
We need to begin to say, God, I'm, I'm not saying you can't do that, but God, here's what I do. Is it your will that I do this? And when he says yes, all right, great, God, I'm going to shine for you. I'm going to enjoy you in that opportunity. When he says no, if this is going to pull me away from you, then I don't want that. So my motivation is always not on the things around me, but it is on God. So I've got to put those things behind me. If we're going to know the joy of knowing Jesus, we cannot focus on the things around us. We've got to let that go and put it behind us. But it's not only that. He says, not only do I forget what is behind, but it says I strain forward to what lies ahead. Not only do I need to stop grasping for, for the things that pull at me, but I've got to begin to look forward. And, and you know what? It's like when you're driving. Whatever you look at, that's where you're going to end up going. No matter how hard you try. Have you ever tried, to, for those of us that drive, you know, and you're just watching something, you know, there's a wreck over there or something, you're driving, and you know you're trying to stay safe, but you will always drift the way you watch, right? You will drift that way until you hit the da 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 da, -da oh, and then you come back real quick. Um, we know that. It's the same with God. If you're not looking forward, you're going to drift. Uh, and so we've got to, Paul says, I strain to look forward. I look forward to what lies ahead. What lies ahead is not just heaven, okay? Just like what lies ahead is not just our past. What lies ahead is also the plans that God has for me, the things that God wants to do in me. So what I want to focus on, God, I want to see what you have for me. I want to, I want to reach out to knowing you. Um, uh, what, do, what are you trying to develop in me? When you're going through an absolute painful time, when God just smacks you down and it seems like you've lost everything, um, you know, when something unfair happens to you, you need to say, God, what are you doing? This, this, this only means something good. Because when something bad happens to you, you know what that only means? That God has something better that he is preparing you for. Um, uh, it is... It means that there is something good that God is doing. And so when those things happen, instead of getting upset, instead of uh, uh, letting those sorrows take place, I begin to look up. I begin to seek God and say, God, are, what are you trying to develop in me in my character? Um, what are you using? What are you giving me an opportunity uh, to be able to reach someone else or to be able to reflect you to someone else? Every hard situation is an opportunity uh, that God is giving you to be part of his plan. And, and so we need to begin to always have that conscious thought, God, what are you doing in this situation? And how can I grow in it? How can I get better? How can I get something that you want from me? That's what it means to look forward, to push forward, to strain for, for what lies ahead. Because when we do that, you know what? Here's what lies ahead. You become a better person. You find favor with other people. You begin to get honor from others. Uh, even through hard situations. When people harm you, I'm going to tell you, it will always open up more good than it does cause bad. Um, that's just the way God works. So we need to look forward to what God is doing. 
And sometimes we don't always know what we're looking for. It's, that's why he uses that word straining. You know when it's dark, you're trying to look forward. Where is have you ever driven in the fog? Tonight, I guess driving illustrations are in the thing. When you're driving in the fog, you slow down, but you strain to see that white line in the middle, right? And sometimes you got to really strain to see. In this world, guys, it gets hard. Um, and sometimes it just, sometimes it doesn't get hard, but it gets tiring. I think sometimes the enemy uses that more than the hardship. Sometimes you just get nothing. Sometimes the worst feeling is just feeling nothing. I don't feel, I don't feel upset. I don't feel joyous. I just feel numb. In fact, you know that most people that commit suicide is not uh, because of other things. They just feel numb. I, I don't feel anything. What's worth, there's nothing even worth it. And, and it's in those times that we need to strain because that's like the fog that comes around us. And God says, if you will strain to see me, you will find me. He says, anyone who seeks me with all his heart, if you strain to look forward, you will find that white line that will guide you through the fog. But we've got to strain for it. We've got to fight for it. Don't give in uh, to, to what the enemy wants to do in your life. So we need to strain to look forward to what God is doing. But it's not only what he's doing in us, but it is our future. And so I think, you know, if we just live for what God is doing in this life, it says that we are, uh, of all people, uh, to be ashamed. Because God has something so much greater for us in the future. So when we are looking forward, we are looking to what God has planned. And this is what it says. It says... That we are citizens of heaven, and we are awaiting a Savior who is coming for us. We are looking forward because Jesus is coming back for us, and every day we need to be ready. He says you need to make sure you're ready because there's coming a day, and you're not going to know when it happens. It's going to happen in the blink of an eye. You cannot get ready for it when it happens. You have to already be ready for it. So are we looking for it? Are we anticipating it? And it says that when he comes, our Savior, now I just love this. This is where our mind can go crazy. It says that he will transform our lowly body, the body that we have now, into the same image as his glorious body. When he comes, we are going to get new bodies. We're going to get new spirits. We're going to get new minds. Some of us need new minds before our new bodies, right? But we all want new bodies. Um, uh, uh, but... All of it, it, it's what we look forward to. This is the promise of God. This is, this is the very uh, joy that is the pleasure of God to give us. This is not why we serve God, but it is what God wants to give us. Uh, we get transformed. And we know that you know, we don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but we do know that Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he received a glorious body that he was able to walk through walls. He was able to uh, transport himself to other places. Um, it was a totally different uh, reality uh, that he lived in, although he was still human. And so we will have the same body as Jesus. And that is just amazing to look forward to. I don't even know what all it means and what all we'll be able to do, uh, but it will be in the fullness of what God created us to be from the very beginning. And so we look forward to that. So I'm telling you, 
when life gets hard, when, man, I just don't want to go on, or why do I have to do this? You know what you do? You look for it. Okay, I'm going to suffer right now, but I know what's coming, and it's worth it. I'm going to get a new body. Jesus is coming back for me. It's going to happen, and then for eternity, I'm going to enjoy the, the joy of the Lord living a life that is beyond compare. And so I look, and that gives me the ability to have joy even in the hard times of this life. So we need to forget what lies behind. Stop focusing on the things that are pulling us back. And then we need to strain to look at what's ahead. That means you've got to work at it. You've got to look for it. You've got to focus on it. Seeing Jesus is not just going to happen. You've got to want it. There's so many Christians say, I've been a Christian. I haven't, God hasn't done anything for me because they've never strained for it. They've never pushed for it. And God is never going to force you to know him. But those that reach out for him, he will always reach out for you. If you haven't experienced it, I want to ask you, are you reaching out for him? Are you pushing in? Are you pressing on? Because you've got to fight for it. But the third thing, he says, not only do I forget what lies behind, not only do I press on and I push for what's ahead, but this is what he encourages them. He says, but you need to do this. Brothers, imitate me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Now, he doesn't just say, watch me. He does say, watch me. He says, imitate me, but also keep your eyes on others who walk with the example that we've given them. So who are those others? The church. See, he has gone around and, and planted churches everywhere he's gone. He's raised up Christians, and he's been an example for them. And there are those that have, have put aside what lays behind, and they have strained for what's forward, and now they are walking uh, as examples. And Paul says, you need to keep your eyes on those people. In other words, this is what Paul is saying. If you're going to know the joy of knowing Jesus, we've got to do it together. We need to keep our eyes on one another. We need to watch each other. We need to encourage one another. We need to set examples for one another. When one another starts to fall behind, then we need to come alongside and give them an example of encouragement, saying, keep your eye on me, brother. Man, I know where you're at. We need to keep our eyes on one. This is why it's so important that we need to keep coming together, that we stay in fellowship, that we put roots in together. Because Paul says, even I need to watch others. Even Paul needed the encouragement of, of Silas, of Timothy, uh, of, of Barnabas. And it was those that gave Paul the ability to press on. And so he says, imitate me. And if even I needed these people, and he told the Philippians, he said, I need you. And I thank God for you because you gave me joy right when I was ready to give up. And he, Paul said, there was a time when I despaired of my life. We thought nothing was going to go right. But your prayers lifted me up. But thinking of you. So you see, brothers and sisters, we need one another. Not just the church in general. Most people say, well, I'm part of the church you know, around the world. If you're a Christian, you're just part of the church. 
But Paul is saying, no, you need to keep your eyes on real people, local people, a family. You need to be part of that family because that's what keeps you pressing on. How many knows that on your own, I give in. I mean, I can, I can keep it up so much, but if no one ever encouraged me, if I'm not held accountable, we all begin to drift. We need accountability. We need encouragement, even when we don't want to. And we all feel that way sometimes. Don't feel bad. We all feel that time. I just don't want to. I'm just tired. I'm going to tell you, don't give in. This is why Paul says you got to press on. You got to press on. You got to fight for your joy. Joy does not come easy. And if it did, it would not be joy. It would just be the, the, the short-term happiness that this world offers. But when we press on to know Jesus, when we go deeper than just the, the, the superficial, I'm going to tell you, then there is a joy of knowing Jesus that is more than what you have even thought possible. But if we will forget what lies behind, if we will strain to see what lies ahead, and if we'll keep our eyes on one another, we're going to come to that place where the trumpet's going to sound and the joy of the Lord is going to fill our hearts and everything will have been worth it. All the struggles, all the tears, all the times that we wanted to give up, I'm telling you, God repays a hundredfold. Don't give up now. Keep pressing on. Fight for your joy. Though the world wants to steal it from us. Right now, it seems everything going on in this world wants to steal our joy. Because it is nothing but bickering. There is nothing but conflict. There is nothing but but anger and hatred and, and turmoil. And I'm going to tell you, in the midst of this, just keep searching for God because God is still at work even in this fog, even in the dark of this world. And when we keep pressing on, there's a destination for we are citizens of heaven. And this world one day is going to slowly move aside and we're going to come out of that fog and there'll be a beautiful sunset. And we are going to enter in to the joy of the Lord. So press on. Press on. Let's pray.